This is Bill Messerly with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio bringing you a weekly faith dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus for the 21st week of Ordinary Time. Bishop Brennan desires to share with us the joy of the gospel and the splendor of truth, and today he'd like to give us an update on how we can adapt as a parish to the COVID crisis. Welcome, Your Excellency. Good morning, or good day, I should say. Well, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. You know, I made it sound like this is breaking news. Uh, the diocese and our parishes have been fluid and working every day to make accommodations to ensure safety at our parishes. But there are some specific things that uh, you had put together in the letter uh, to make sure that we, the faithful, are abreast of what's going on in our parishes and what is the direction from a diocesan perspective but I think before we start with that, uh, you were uh, wise in your letter to talk a little bit about the important things to always keep in mind as we talk about the Eucharist. Indeed, indeed. You know, first of all, uh, in the letter that will appear in full in the Catholic Times and on our websites, um, in that, that letter, one of the main points I want to raise is a spirit of gratitude. Um, we've been through so much together, and people have been just so um, overwhelmingly generous, you know? The overwhelming experience that I've had amongst people is generosity. And I think that has helped us a lot. That's helped us a lot. But yes, I, um, we start by reflecting on these months and say, I think one of the things we learned, I learned, is the, a, a deeper appreciation of the Holy Mass and of the Eucharist and the gift that God has given us in the Eucharist during that period of loss. Um, we, many of us yearned for it and um, yearned to be together. And so we, we have a, that sense of appreciation, um, being back together as many of us are. Now, I also know that for some, it's still not really prudent or possible to come back uh, fully or to Mass or at all, um, given um, health situations and health risks, given um, work obligations, people who need to be able to separate themselves much of the time so that they can be devoted to the care of others or whatever their responsibilities may be, um, or some very out of very well-grounded worries or um, or fears. So, so I know that there's still some of us who have that yearning. And, um, and so I wanted to speak really as much as I could to everyone and say, this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the tremendous gift that God has given to us. Um, and to to be able now we've walked as I call it a second phase if you will as we've learned how to come together and the precautions we need to take and the things that we're able to do we've kind of worked our way through that the you might say the awkwardness of how do we come back and we've sort of gotten ourselves a certain rhythm and so um, what we're doing now is trying to uh, kind of foster that sense of unity of of approach um trying to return to some degree of our normal practice there are certain things like the exchange of peace or 
communion from the chalice that we still won't do. There are still precautions that we take. But as we've learned how to work our way through this uh, maze of sorts, I think there are certain things now that we can start to say are normative. This is getting getting back into that into that celebration um, of the Eucharist. What are the priests sharing with you as it relates to uh, the parishioners coming back to um, those who are, are able to uh, receiving the Eucharist together? Has it been a good response? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the folks feeling comfortable? Um, yes, I think so. You know, first of all, from the very beginning, priests have been talking about the joy that people felt coming back, um, the, the, the absolute joy of being back together again. You raise an interesting question of people feeling comfortable. Well, you know, we're all individuals, and so each of us experiences something a little bit different. And so I think that generally people are feeling comfortable. They f- fall into the routines of that, that we need to take in terms of uh, seating and, and spacing, in terms of wearing the masks and uh, keeping hands clean and not really touching things or touching one another in any way. Um, people have kind of fallen into that as almost a new form of a new habit. Um, so, I, so that part is comfortable. I know that for a lot of people, wearing of masks is a little bit of, uh, of a difficulty. Well, for all of us, it's an inconvenience. For some, it's more difficult than others. Um, it's, uh, and some are very upset, understandably, when others aren't wearing masks or taking the right precautions because they feel, well, you're putting us at danger. And, uh, you know, all we can do is tell people what the expectation is, what the expectation in in terms of the government um, order, but also in terms of good practice and our exercise of Christian charity for one another. Um, But again, most people, I think, are just seeing... Go, you know the expression "going with the flow." They say they, they, they see the wisdom in the practices, and they um, want to abide by it. Because ultimately, what we really want is we want to make sure that we're continuing to gather for the Eucharist. We want to take all the precautions so that we can continue to do this on a regular basis. Yeah. You mentioned um, that um, in your letter, we should be especially careful if we're not feeling well. You know, a lot of people That's talk right. about temperatures and mask, but mm-hmm. out of charity, you mentioned, we need to be sure that we're not coming to Mass or going anywhere if we're not feeling well. That's right. And um, and I know that's hard. And it, it, again, there are a lot of delicate lines that we're walking in these days. You know, um, it, right now we're coming to the end of allergy season. We'll be coming into cold season. Um, you know, it probably calls for that extra bit of prudence, you know, so that even if you're saying it's not likely to be the COVID virus. Um, but, you know, if I'm not feeling well, uh, I wake up achy or not feeling well or showing any signs, it's probably wise to wait and see, you know, err on the side of caution. And that's something I think we do certainly for our own health, but also out of consideration for the health of others. And, that goes for us too. So, you know, sometimes and that the unexpected will happen. You know, we've had a couple of occasions where we've been able to pitch in and try to 
get masses covered. We actually had a couple of cases where we couldn't, um, not in the time frame that things happened. And it may it may have been because somebody was in contact with someone who had the uh, COVID virus, or maybe because somebody's not feeling, and you just don't know um, until we know for sure that it's something else. We have to take the precautions. And so, yes, that's a real exhortation, asking people um, to to make that prudential judgment. So on the one hand, you want to welcome everybody back and encourage everybody to receive the Eucharist if it's it's healthy and they can, um, they can do so safely. But on the other hand, we also need to continue that caution. Is there something that you're going to be looking for? And I know that no one has this secret sauce yet, uh, the government or schools, et cetera. But what types of things are you looking for to know when that dispensation would be removed? Well, you know, let me go back first to uh, that that delicate line that we walk, and it really is, um, it, it's 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 really fine because on the one hand, I want to cry out from the depths of my lungs, please, everybody, let's come back. <laughs> let's let's. I want to see the churches full, and I want to see everybody participating. Um, and and we want to try to really instill that sense of of uh, calling uh, people to the Eucharist and also welcoming. We want people who come to feel welcome. So that's that's one side of it. We want to really reawaken within all of our own hearts and minds that need for the Eucharist and that need to come together for Sunday worship. But there's also that side that says, uh, but not everybody, not yet. You know, first of all, we're still dealing with um, a fraction of the capacity to to fill the churches. We're just, you know, we can't we can't even accommodate everybody at one time. Um, but the other thing is keeping that fine line, saying yes, but please, please be careful. Please be careful. If, certainly, be careful if you're sick. Mm-hmm. But please be careful if you're at risk or if you are in touch with somebody who's at risk, or if your work you know, requires you to um, care for people who, um, whose health is fragile. Um, so we want, we want to be able to continue to state that message. So what is it that I'm looking for? Well, I think what we want to do is gradually keep inviting people if you're able to come, to start to come, to gradually to invite people maybe to weekday Mass and then to Sunday Mass. Um, Gradually watch the signs. Um, Sometimes, you know, the governor talks about the rate of positivity. I hear others talk about signs like um, um, the hospitalizations and the ICU rates. I'm, I'm... not really conversant in that. I talk to the people who who, who do know these things and and uh, get their advice. I think we want to get a sense that, by and large, it is safe. We're not putting people at risk. That um, you know, is it that uh, the treatments that seem to be coming forward, if they they seem to be able to be effective. And you say, well, okay, if people start to get it, we have a way of dealing with it, like we do with the, with the flu. I mean, the flu can be dangerous too, you know, and 
One of the things now that we're hearing is we have to be careful not only about the COVID, but we have to be careful about the flu when that season starts. So um, I'm, I guess I'm looking for those signs to level off to a point where um, it is safe. Uh, I think there's sort of a collective wisdom that's going around that you get a sense that um, things are either leveling off or picking up again. Um, you know, I from everything I can hear, we're going to see it rise and fall for a little bit. We we want to see a vaccine developed. I think that would be a great thing. And uh, we want to make sure that those vaccines are developed in ethical ways. We hear that that's entirely possible, and we want to make sure that that's being done. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, those are some of the things I think that will start to show us that it's a little bit safer. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't. I don't know what it looks. What the light looks like at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> um, I don't know exactly what it looks like. What I do know is, we'll have a sense as we go along. And um, and in the meantime, we want to continue to uh, be welcoming. Be welcoming. You're listening to Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, uh, for his. A weekly update the last week of August as he discusses the COVID crisis and how the, the church is adapting with the COVID crisis. And Bishop Brennan, I was so struck by what you just said. Uh, we'll just continue to do what we can uh, within the bounds of safety and uh, welcome people back. And you're doing that in their Catholic schools and the PSR programs. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about uh, those programs and how um, the church is adapting to the COVID crisis? Sure. Um you know, so first of all, our schools are opening. That that form of opening is it takes different uh, shapes in different places, um, but we want to be there. We want to be able there too to welcome the children back into the environment that has been for them safe and secure. Making sure that all of the necessary health precautions are taken. Um, we had a really good discussion about that at Saint Gabriel Radio, and that was posted on Facebook live and uh, on, the, on the St. Gabriel radio. Um, the, I, I give a lot of credit to our educators, the school office, the faculty, the principals, the different representatives who were part of this committee who did this study, the health officials with whom they consulted, the parents. Um, people really worked hard all summer to make sure that we could be um, that, that we could provide rather a, a, an environment that will be safe and healthy for our students, but also give them that opportunity to come back. We want to work with the parents. Parents, we're trying to provide opportunities and choices for parents to make. So the Harris Schools of Religion, also as important, they're very important. The structure is a little different because young people come from a lot of different communities when they go to PSR. So, you know, the schools are built on being around the same group of children all the time. And then, you know, that gets a whole mix-up when you get together for the PSR. So uh, we're looking there at more um, uh, hybrid or online kinds of opportunities. I think what a lot of parishes are doing is using this as an opportunity to recapture the family unit so so that we can work together with entire families so that the parents can help um, as, as the primary educators of their children. So uh, how, how can our PSRs be supportive to families in the sharing of the faith. And so we, we have to look at a lot of uh, different new ways of doing things. Um, our catechetical leaders and a number of our priests have been working um, 
with uh, Father Adam Streitenberger and Franciscan University. And um, Franciscan University in Steubenville has been hosting these conversations on the different kinds of ministries like PSR, RCIA, um, youth ministry. And there's a sharing of ideas and practices with, uh, and, and they're facilitating these discussions so that we can try to meet the new need and, and uh, welcome and do what is most important the, in both schools and PSRs, the transmission of the Catholic faith to share that gift of the Catholic faith, you know, and, um, and so that's, that's a key thing. You know, Bill, if I go back to the Mass, I, another point I was trying to make in that letter, I want us to start, I want to just really reflect on the relationship between the Eucharist and the Mass. Um, you know, our pastors are going to try to do what they can to meet the specific needs of people whose health might be compromised. And they've done a lot of creative things. Again, what we want to try to do, though, is really focus on the connection between being part of the offering of the Mass, the sacrifice, the holy sacrifice of the Mass and communion, so that, um, that it's really all part of one action. Um, and so uh, we, we, we want to be able to offer that opportunity and connect the Eucharist to what is prayerful and reverent and welcoming, you know, so that one of the things that we want to always avoid is trying to make, turn the Eucharist into a thing, something you get, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. The Eucharist is really an encounter with the living God, and it's so deeply connected to the sacrifice of the Mass. Um, again, when somebody can't be there. We want to try to meet people part way. So, you know, pastors, priests, deacons, um, ext commissioned extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist will do home visits. Some will have people come by, um, you know, work out particular things. But what we want to try to avoid is sort of, uh, sound, this may sound a little crass, but sort of like the drive-by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because even when we're not receiving communion, Holy Communion in the context of the Mass, we still want to make sure we're making that connection and that it's connected to the celebration of the sacrifice of the Mass. Well, what a beautiful visit we've had on St. Gabriel Radio from Bishop Robert J. Brennan talking about the welcoming, prayerful, and reverent reception of the Eucharist together. He welcomes everybody back, but he also cautions us all to be careful, uh, to be diligent, and to do whatever we can to, as a community, join uh, both in the Eucharist and in other ways, uh, be those soft ways or hard ways, a phone call or a text. But let's go ahead and reach out and stay connected, as Bishop Brennan has. We have the Daily Mass from the Cathedral at 12.05 every day, Saturday and Sunday, Sunday at uh, 10.30. And then also the Diocese has a streaming Mass on Sunday at 10.30. So be sure, if you can't attend your parish, that you attend those other opportunities that are now available. Uh, Bishop Brennan, would you like to close us with a prayer? Sure. And the other thing I just want to express is extraordinary, extraordinary gratitude for the goodness of the people of this diocese. Boy, oh boy, people have been, people are wonderful, wonderful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, as the grain in the fields is gathered to form one bread, 
we become one in you. Make us one of heart and mind and feed us with your word and your Eucharist, the gift of your very life, and help us to live that in all that we say and all that we do. Help us to bring Christ to others. May Almighty God bless all of you and all your families, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Bishop Robert J. Brennan with his weekly Faith Dialogue. Thank you, Bishop Brennan, and thank you for all that you're doing for our priests and our diocese. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.